Well, markets are a little more positive today, despite everything. The debt ceiling looks like it's going to have the can kicked down till December. And Vladimir Putin might turn up the gas supplies to Europe, helping contain prices while making them even more dependent on Russian energy. And inflation for longer, that's the word from the UK's new chief economist. And jobs, 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 there's lots of reasons why. There should be a good non-farm payrolls number tonight. If not, then that's perhaps a bit of a worry. And we'll look at the RBA Financial Stability Review, which is out today as well. It's Friday, the 8th of October, 2021. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Yes, once again, it's a very different story to yesterday on the market. Stocks are up 1.4% for the Nasdaq, 1.2% for the Dow and the S&P. In Europe, which did so badly yesterday, well, we saw a 1.9% rise in the DAX today. The FTSE 100 uh, closed 1.2% up. The US dollar is down a little overall, but the big winner today is the Aussie dollar up 0.6%, back over 73 US cents. The Canadian dollar and the pound both up a quarter percent. Not much movement in the euro. And 10-year Treasury yields uh, are up five basis points to 1.57%. They were at 1.58%, which was uh, the highest today, also the highest since June. And commodities on the rise. Brent and WTI both up about 1% this morning. Brent heading over $83 for a spell. Uh, WTI over $78 now. And UK natural gas futures down a little to 255 pence per therm, which is still five and a half times what it was in March. So this winter in the UK, expensive to fill the car with Brent up and expensive to turn on the heating. Ho-hum. Uh, David DeGarris is in London. Uh, he's no doubt stocked up on woolly jumpers and uh, fine malt whiskey. That, sh- that should do the trick, shouldn't it, Dave? That's, there's, a good, there's a good idea, yeah. Phil. Well, those, their prices will be going up soon as well as everyone catch, catches on to that. But well, look, um, they're, not, they're, they're not imported, so... Um, well, yes, yes, there uh, we are. Though maybe that's going to be Britain's saviour. They'll all just get drunk on, on Scotch whiskey. So um, why, why the confidence today? Because I'm looking at, you know... Uh, that big story, uh, mm. you know, that's not that's mm. not really moved forward. Is it because uh, President Putin has said he'll supply more gas to Europe? Uh, so that sort of helps, but it also just increases Europe's reliance on Russia. Or is it the other story on the other side of the Atlantic that there's been a short-term extension to the debt ceiling in the United States, or there's likely to be? Or is it a bit of a combination of both of those things? I think I think a combination of both those things, Phil, uh, and, and good morning to you. Um, mm. Yeah, yeah, uh, both those things it's added to on the day. And, you know, you look at the screen, as you mentioned there, it does seem to be a risk on, but you don't have to dig very far b- below the surface to see potential issues, do you? Um, no. You know, the fact that the debt ceiling uh, has been agreed to, but it's, 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 it's a two-month fix, isn't it? And, yeah. um, you know, only to December, and here we are at the start of October. So... We can blink our eyes and we'll be we'll be talking about the same thing again. And it's not just the debt ceiling that's going to come up in December, it's the appropriation, you know, that has to be approved as well. So kick that can, but not very far down the road. You can still see it. So um there's that in the energy. Well, yeah, on the energy story. I mean, so Putin, uh, I mean, I, you know, some people have been saying mm. he's bribing you. We wouldn't go that far, obviously. But it, it is just coincidence that he's trying to approve, get approval for the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, which he just finished last month, uh, and he wants Germany to sign off on mm. it. Just coincidence that supply is constrained whilst he's campa- campaigning to just turn on his, his new supply. Uh, but, of course, when they do that, I mean, it, it is just making Europe even more dependent on energy from Russia. Uh, that, that can't be a good thing. Well, I think there is that. Um, there's no doubt that that story did have did break the um, the spiral, <clears throat> the upward spiral in in uh, European UK natural gas prices. 
But, um, you know, what you were discussing with Gav yesterday, the fact that there is no virtually no store, storage of gas here in the UK, still vitally short. So, and you said, what was it, five times what it was not long ago? It's, it, it stopped it from rising for now. And, okay, yeah, UK prices are down 10% on the day, but, the, you know, the up massively so far this week. So that still that issue still makes UK quite vulnerable uh, on top of oil prices, which are up again. And uh, it seems that um, the UK, the US won't be releasing uh, oil from their strategic reserve after all. And that seems to have um, buoyed oil prices, but it certainly hasn't scuttled the US stock market. And mm. um Look at it, and the Aussie over seventy three cents more. Well, it is. It's 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 the Europe versus the rest of the world, isn't it? it? Seems at the moment. And to add to those European worries, so you've got Hugh Pill, who's the new Andy Haldane, the new chief economist of the Bank of England, mm-hmm. uh, saying today uh, this was to a committee, wasn't he? The UK Treasury Committee. I don't think he was there. I think he just submitted answers. Uh, uh, Correct. But Correct. Uh, his words: the transient inflation spike is proving greater than expected, uh, and he expects it's going to go on longer. So I'm not sure whether he thinks it's going to be higher, but certainly it's going to be longer than expected. So does this mean he's uh, he's falling on the hawkish side and he's going to be one of those in favour of a, an earlier rate rise? Well, <clears throat> a couple of things, Phil. It was quite a, an extensive answer. You know, when they were asking him, the Treasury Select Committee obviously sent him various questions to answer, including his experience, what he brings to the job, what his priorities are, but also the outlook for growth and inflation and employment. And particularly, as you said there, his comments on inflation there that has caught the market's attention. So he expects inflationary pressures to subside, but the magnitude and duration of the transient, I know you love that word, inflation spike, is proving greater than expected. Well, if it was and, transient uh, when we started talking about it, it'd be over by now, because I think, <laughs> I think transient's a month or so at the most, isn't it? But, you know, it's apparently it's a couple of years. A, he knows how these sorts of comments will be interpreted by the market. So uh, the market right now is um, pricing in, you know, maybe 50, more than 15 basis points by the end of the year. And, um, you know, the, 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 the base rate, which is currently 10 might be closer to 75 points by the end of next year. And, of course, this is this is into the UK, which is facing, um, you know, an energy crisis right now and big cost of living rises. So it's a pretty heady, heady sort of mix, isn't it? So mm. there's some debate about when they might increase rates, whether they will increase rates and how much. So, so, um, so apart from that, they're very clear on, on where they're going. I tell you, if they put rates up and you've got, you know, people struggling to pay their bills, that's not a good situation, is it? But look, it's a very, it's a very similar situation faced in Europe. Obviously, the uh, minutes from the last ECB meeting were out and, uh, you know, th- there's concerns there about the risk from inflation, also the accuracy of their, uh, their forecast as well. So uh, are they going to have uh, inflation for longer? What do they do about it? Do they ease off their QE? Uh, and uh, do they lift rates? Do they do that faster? So all of those questions still being faced. ECB in exactly the same situation as the Bank of England. What do we do? Well, uh, this this was the meeting, Phil, when they increased their inflation forecasts for each year, this year, next year, in 2023. Um, and when, you, you know, they're usually, you know, you look through the, the, the account of their meeting and they're usually fairly anodyne. There are not too many surprises, but... What struck me was, um, you know, the commentary around inflation and the fact that um, with supply chain issues and the fact that this is lasting longer than expected. expected um, and um, 
the, the risk is they say that even though they increase their inflation forecast, the risk is still tilted to the upside and that their forecast for 2023 might be too low. So the fact that they're watching wage negotiations pretty, pretty closely, they increased their growth forecast this year. There's the next generation EU fiscal stimulus, which is going to add to the economy this year and next. So it just seems that some of the, the Northern European hawks, the central banks there, Germany, Austria, uh, the Netherlands and so forth, um, might be flexing their muscles a little bit more. So it's not quite the super dovish uh, ECB that we've been used to in recent times. Now, not so long ago, there was concern about the euro, you know, perhaps gaining too much strength, which actually on the one on the one side, you know, if you've got inflation, that could help deflate that away a little bit. But on the other side, obviously, it doesn't help with your with your exports. And, they're into, and you know, it's not going to happen anyway. We've got, we're seeing that strength in the US dollar now, aren't we? It's, as we're talking about being the safe haven at the moment. But uh, Germany's industrial production numbers showed a surprisingly big fall in August, down Four percent month on month. Uh, ab- absolutely. So they follow the, the weak factory orders numbers that uh, you and Gav were talking about yesterday, and uh, very much centred on the auto industry. And we've seen the PMIs, particularly with the manufacturing sector. It's really at the at the pointy end of the um, supply chain issues, the semi semiconductor shortages, and the like. So it's it's having a a measurable effect in uh, in constraining supply in the manufacturing sector. Now, some economies that seem to be more than made up for in the service sector, but for the German economy, it's certainly a constraint right now. So uh, I just noticed a couple of analysts are downgrading their growth forecast for Q3, at least for Germany, uh, on the back of these numbers. Yeah, it kind of, it's very hard to predict this year, isn't it? We were talking about Europe being ahead of the US earlier in the year. Look, the RBA Financial Stability Review today, last time uh, it highlighted the, the concern of a complete or incomplete or uneven recovery and what that could uh, mean, you know, it could see some borrowers default. Also, the risk of rising asset prices because of low interest rates. For that, I'm, I'm assuming they're talking housing because uh, that's so. obviously <laughs> that's what's been talked about <laughs> since. Uh, and, you know, they, I mean, you know, clearly their thinking is it is rising above its fundamental value so it, it could crash hence tighten the lending standards well they're, they're worried about the medium term aren't they you know this uh, indefinable uh, time horizon that you know if house prices uh, continue with current momentum and of course lower lower interest low interest rates have something to do with that so for me Phil, of course, you know, they'll, they'll be sort of talking about all the same things that, we, you know, the Reserve Bank spoke about earlier this week with house prices. In fact, they were briefed on the financial stability review. Uh, but also for me, the, the most interesting thing is going to be that with New South Wales coming out of lockdown now and um, Melbourne probably following in a couple of weeks, uh, demand is, is going to ramp up even further, you would expect, in the housing market. So it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out in the housing market and whether we see some slowdown in uh, in activity into the end of the year as those economies come out of lockdown. Now, are we going to see the inflation picks up more in Australia uh, as we see us coming out of lockdown, more demand, then the supply chain issues start to push up prices and then we get wage push inflation as well? Are we going to see all of that? Well, look, that's that's been the labour uh, supply versus demand issue exactly the same in Australia, hasn't it? And already in New South Wales, employers have are advertising for uh, for people now even before lockdown so um 
Australia is yet to face into that. So it's going to be a very, uh, very interesting, you know, six to 12 months ahead there. Well, talking about jobs, of course, we get non-farm payrolls tonight in the United States. Uh, the ADP job numbers this week uh, were pretty weak, weren't they? But then last night uh, mm. we had the, the mm. initial jobless claims. They actually fell, 326,000, the weekly claims, versus 364 the week before. So that's heading in the in the right direction. And, you know, there's a few reasons why non-farm payrolls should be improving. So we saw all those people uh, with their unemployment really finishing seven and a half million of them and then we've got a further three million on top of that who've lost the three hundred dollars extra uh unemployment compensation uh both Mm -hmm. part of the cares act so i mean that is 10 million people uh who are worse off with a lot less money uh so you know if if non-farm payrolls isn't picking up if those people aren't getting uh that extra welfare then that says something doesn't it it does Uh, i don't know whether we're going to get the complete answer to that with the september numbers because the um the benefits for those states that hadn't already finished it do, do finish in September. So you know, we might actually need October and November ones, but certainly for the Fed, Phil. So they're, they're, not in a, they're not about to press the button on rates, but it, it, this will, could have an impact on whether they announce tapering, of course, come the November 3rd FOMC meeting. Uh, but Powell has already said at that last press conference, doesn't need to be a knockout number, just a you know a solid or a good number. So I think anything that's reasonably positive, you know, two, three hundred. If it's five hundred as consensus, I think uh, it'll be on for uh, be on for tapering come the no- to be announced at the November third FOMC. Now, can you taper in the same month that the government potentially defaults? If the debt ceiling isn't kicked further down the road by then, um, yes. Well. Uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, what can the Fed assume there? Fed assumes, I guess, that um, they'll, they'll, they'll push it down the road even further. But um, that's an interesting discussion for uh, November, December, isn't it? It certainly is. All right. Well, a good point to leave it on. Good to talk, Dave. Catch you again very soon. Thank you. Will do, Phil. All the best. Cheers. And that's it. That's the morning call for this Friday morning. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. Have yourself a terrific weekend, and I'll see you uh, bright and early on Monday morning. Thanks for listening.